0: Imagine if you will a place where the macabre and humor flow amicably a place where ufo's land and monsters are real a place where you say to yourself i want to believe i want
1: Wow, man. Episode 10. I think there's only going to be like two more or something like that. We'll see. Yeah. Well, welcome to the I Want to Believe podcast. I'm Nomar Slavic. I'm Kyle Sawyer. And today, well, let's just say you don't want to miss this one. (laughs) (sighs) All right. A quick reminder about our format, Netflix, blah, blah, blah. Also, all of our I Want to Believe social media and email are in the show notes, so fuck off.
0: Don't. Don't tell our listeners to do that. They, we want them to listen. Well, that's true. I direct that now at you. Fair enough.
1: Okay. Now it is time to revisit the missing 411 phenomena. Whatever is doing this does it with 100% effectiveness. And they've never made a mistake because if they had made a mistake, you or I would have heard about it. There's something about this phenomena that's real that we've documented through factual cases that very few people have ever denied. There are strange disappearances in the woods. Search and rescue people know about it. They can't explain it. But no one's come forward to put the pieces together to show that it's it's an international issue. I would like us to start with a quick recap on researcher David Politis and his Can-Am Missing project. The following information is from canammissing.com.
0: Can-Am Missing is a group of retired police officers, search and rescue experts, also known as SAR, and other professionals that are dedicated to researching, on-scene investigating, and generally understanding the issues associated with people who go missing in the wilds of North America. This has typically been a project that is intensely worked by search and rescue teams starting when a victim has been reported lost, and usually continuing for the following seven to fourteen days. The project initially started as a meeting with a park ranger and slowly evolved into a study of missing people who vanished in the wild, many under highly unusual circumstances. Ah yes, okay, now let's get into the man behind this effort. David Politis. Okay. Okay, so from Wikipedia, it states that Politis is an investigator and writer known primarily for his research into people who have gone missing under mysterious circumstances. He has written a series of self published books, Missing 411, in which he provides case details about the disappearance of people in national parks and elsewhere. To his credit, Mr. Politis has not propagated any one theory as to why or how these people have disappeared, stating only that the circumstances are. Strange.
1: Yes, that is quite true of Politis. He is always very careful not to come right out with a theory. However, as we did discuss in S1E1, we found out that he has a way of getting a theory across without
0: spelling it out. I mean, yeah, we, we, we covered that pretty well in the uh, first episode of last uh, season. So, yeah, you should maybe check that one out. Yeah, check it out. Check it out.
1: Alright, so, this information has been called from a few different places. One is from a coast-to-coast AM radio interview with George Knapp. He stated, quote, David Politis was formerly in law enforcement. Starting in 1977, he worked for the Fremont Police Department, then transferred to the San Jose Police Department. He worked in the patrol division, the SWAT team, the street crimes unit, and eventually ended his career as a detective in the vice intelligence unit. After leaving the police force, Politis began researching and authoring books on the topic of Bigfoot, as well as unexplained disappearances of people in national parks and elsewhere. The Missing 411 project started from a meeting with a park ranger and slowly evolved into a study on missing people who vanish in the wild. So that's enough background where we're kind of being redundant at this point. Let's get into a few cases. Kyle, you want to take the first one, my friend?
0: Yeah, sure. We'll have even more interest in this one because it takes place right here in Maine. And uh, you specifically might find some special interest beyond that. Really? Yeah. Okay. So... Lillian was from Massardis, Maine, which is very close to the Canadian border and surrounded by lakes, rivers, and ponds. Also, Masardis is tiny. Its population as of the 2010 census is about 249 people. So, you're from New Portland. That's a... Tiny town in Maine. Yeah. How how many people are
1: there roughly? Do you think?
0: Yeah. Um, as of 2017, they said about 689 people. Oh wow. Are from so New so Portland. it's even smaller. Even than... smaller than that. Which oh. which being from New Portland, I can. I can't even imagine smaller than that. But yeah, like a third of the less of the population. Right, that's, that's crazy. Wow. Anyways, so the the town of Masardis was incorporated in 1839, and Lillian went missing on August eighth, 1897. She was six years old. Lillian and her parents went blueberry picking, and had only been there for a short amount of time when the parents said she just vanished politus wrote that they searched for an hour and eventually got some people in the area to help look for her she was not found that day and by the following morning there were over 200 searchers there consisting of friends and family well pretty much the whole town yeah i was gonna say that's pretty (laughs) much the whole town (laughs) it really is politus said that when searchers were looking for someone they call the person's name say that they are their friend and that they're to help They do this especially with missing children in case they are scared and the thought is that they will come out of hiding if they hear those types of things. She was not found on the second day either, so the following day, around 300 people arrived to search, and at 10 a.m., a gentleman named Bert Poland found her, somewhere between two and three miles from where the parents last saw her. Politus stated that there wasn't much detail in the article he found about this case, but that the little girl made an interesting statement. She said, The sun shined all the time while I was in the woods. Politis said that's a weird thing for a six-year-old to say. That's Uh, a really weird thing for a six-year-old. It's for anyone to say. Really, it is, yeah. And uh, the weather was stated in the news article as being partly cloudy, and she had spent two nights outside and was missing for about 46 hours. The interviewer in the article said that while she described it as sunlight, it might not have been. Politis also noted that for the time period, you're not going to find artificial lights. That's really interesting, dude. Now i see why you said what you said at the beginning are we
1: getting into extraterrestrial territory here maybe 46 hours missing and the little girl is quoted as saying the sun shined all the time while i was in the woods Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense because she says wood. She doesn't say cave or, or anything like that where there may have been a fire going or something like that. Right. When you have a fire outside in the woods, you wouldn't describe that as sunlight shining all the time. Right. It's quite dark in the woods during the nighttime when you have a campfire going.
0: Yeah. And I mean, without having like light lights, they yeah. would know what a campfire was.
1: Right. And 1897, lights on not... <laughs> Interesting. I think we're getting into extraterrestrial territory. Okay. So this next story comes from Reddit and is related to the missing 411 phenomena, but more so it's about missing time. The Reddit user explained their story to their sister who, after hearing it, recommended that they check out Politis' books. This is their story in their words, however, I have cleaned it up a bit for readability. This happened about two years ago in the summer shortly after the fourth of july at Klingman's dome it is the highest peak in the great smoky national park uh, we'll pause here for a second if you remember kyle the great smoky national park is where the dennis martin disappearance occurred we covered that in full in in s1e1 so just a little reminder to to everyone here back to the story The woman is again quoted as saying my husband and i had been hounding for everyone to go there myself and two sons age six and eight at the time we're not going to stay overnight just go to check out the summit viewing deck now for those who have never been there the viewing deck has two maybe more ways you can get to it the most common way and the way we took was to drive in park then take about a mile hike to the deck It's paved, super easy, and super busy, depending on the time of year. We got up there and take some amazing photos and hang out for a little bit. Now, here is where things started to get weird. My youngest child has epilepsy and a migraine disorder, has been seizure-free for two and a half years, and headaches controlled by medication. So we'll pause again, Kyle. Politis was noted that people with varying degrees of disability are prone to the missing 411 phenomenon. Just wanted to point that out, okay? All right. On with the story, the Reddit user writes, as we are going back, he started to complain that he feels really hot and his head hurts. So this is on their way back. Mm -hmm. Uh, So he's feeling really hot and his head hurts on the mountain. It is cold because of the high altitude. We were all needing long sleeves and it felt more like November instead of summer. I tell my husband and other child I'm going to carry him the rest of the way and me being the out of shape person that I am that I would meet them at the car if I got behind or had to take it slow. I even made a half assed joke about sending the rangers in to find us if I didn't make it back to the car shortly after they did because I'm in shit shape and may need to be golf carted out. At this point, maybe it was a lull in the visitor levels, but there were no other people in front of us or coming down behind us. My little one starts crying and said both of his ears and head hurt now and was covering his ears. At this point, the weight of him was breaking my arm, so I put him down and told him we were going to sit and rest for a few minutes. We walked off the paved trail and sat down at the edge of the tree line and I told him to close his eyes and just relax and lay down on the cool grass beside me. We were almost to the car, so I got my phone out to text my husband that we were resting when I noticed how quiet it was. No wind, not a thing. It was like someone pressed pause. My mother is paranoid about tornadoes and spent years pounding it into my head as a child that there is a calm before the storm. That was my first thought. Like, holy shit, a tornado is about to happen because everything just went dead. My kid is now curled up beside me, whimpering that he is scared, his ears hurt, and wants to go home. The hair on my neck is standing up and I have this sick feeling that a tornado is about to begin and suck us up. I started to feel afraid to look around me and focused on my kid and calming him down. At this point, the area had this ominous heavy feeling. I can't explain that one either, almost like I was afraid to look, because I wouldn't like what I would see. I got myself together and had a strong, almost primal urge to get the hell out and down the trail i picked up my still crying kid and literally ran the rest of the way when we got there my husband and other child were nowhere to be found he had the keys so we had to wait at this point it was only our car and two others still there my kid was no longer complaining about his ears or his head A few seconds later, my older son came racing down from the same trail we had just come from with a look of sheer panic on his face. He turned to yell to my husband that he had found his mom and brother. He came down the trail not even a minute later. My other son had been visibly crying and my husband immediately started screaming at us about where the hell we had been and if we were okay. I asked him what his issue was and told him I had sent him a text message saying that we were resting for a little while off the edge of the trail. Now, here was what made my blood run cold. He told me that they had been looking for us for over three hours. I called him a liar and said that it probably just felt like hours. I said we were resting for about 10 minutes, but after checking my phone, his phone, and even the clock in the car, it turned out that we really had been gone for about three and a half hours. Besides this, my husband and other child said they had gone up and down the paved trail to the viewing deck three or four times while calling mine and my little son's name. This would have been impossible to miss. I promptly turned and asked my little son if he still needed his migraine medicine, and he said, The noise making his head hurt was gone and he was fine now. My husband asked him what the noise was like and he said it sounded like a big bumblebee inside his head. We hauled out of there as fast as we could my son's migraines and seizure activity on his eeg stopped after this it was like his brain had been reset he hasn't even had a mild headache since the incident he has been deemed quote, "in remission" from his neurologist because his brain waves have remained pristine that's quite the story man <laughs> what do you think
0: yeah it is and i mean it doesn't sound like she was like so far off the trail that there was no way that not they could at all heard. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely interesting and I mean you gotta gotta wonder like how that all fits in, like I don't know. I think it's a really interesting
1: missing time story. Yeah. Where she seem, her and her son seem like suspended in this other
0: world or something. Right. You know? Very odd. Yeah. And like and if you think about it, going back to like the story before about the girl who, who claimed that the sun was out the entire time she was in the woods. What if something similar happened to her and like like it just was like stuck at daytime the entire time she right. was gone? And what if that was just like five hours to her? Right. You
1: know, but to the rest of the world, she was gone for 48 hours or whatever that was. And, right. and to her, it was 10 minutes. But to her husband, it was three, three and a half, half. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's crazy. Also, is this a living Witness to what happens to some people in the missing four one one phenomenon. Right, you know there, there was no beast involved or anything. She just kind of stepped through a, a time rip or mm. or something or a portal of some sort. And is this what's happening to people? But she was able for some reason to get out of it. Did her son
0: have some reason why they were able to get out of it? Or- right, and the fact that now he is okay like he's not having his seizures or anything anymore it's very strange very strange don't really know what to make of it it's an odd way to revisit
1: missing 411 but i wanted to highlight a couple of these really strange stories one of them seemingly maybe extraterrestrial in nature but both of them seem to be some sort of maybe portal to another realm right and uh, i thought that was really interesting that's all i got another one in the books another one in the books episode 10 Mm -hmm. on to the to the next one on to the next one next time what do we say
0: (laughs) until next time until next time (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why we have to have a sign off it's stupid it's not i enjoy it until next time until next time Phone one. I have no idea what it's in context to, but I just pull up this episode and I and I see so fuck off.
1: <laughs> Go
0: ahead, fuck you. That's what I said. Please don't include this. In I, the- won't. <laughs> I won't. I won't. I feel bad about not knowing how many people are in my home. Should we look it up? And- You've called me out on this. A moment of calm at Classical WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at Classical or on the Classical WETA app. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already
1: taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal.